hello and welcome back everyone to the desert tones podcast uh it's me joey here with this is jared hey and it's dylan again what's going on um and today it's gonna be a little bit different we've uh, of course been talking about a bunch of guitar bass amp just gear related stuff as the podcast is sort of made for um this time we're just gonna kind of reminisce a bit about some some gear related stuff but some just experiences we've had in our uh time playing music together um uh, playing music individually uh other uh bands and stuff we've been in before and just have some um, just have a good time again, reminiscing about some of those memories and uh, enjoying that for a bit and then, uh, likely resume our normal, uh, sort of topics hereafter. But yeah, I think we were all under a little bit of a time crutch this month. We were like traveling or had things come up. And so, um, I, I think we'll get back to the pedal stuff, uh, soon, but, um, yeah, we've, we, I think we've all had fairly funny and interesting lives when it comes to uh playing music together uh like the all three of us but you know just independently and have a lot of good stories about that and um you know it's been uh kind of like core memories for me a, a lot of those times uh and yeah i don't know i just think it's it's fun and funny to look back on what we've done and where we've been and now where we're at. Yeah. Um, I was, I was asking you guys earlier, I was trying to remember what the last Priya show was. Do you guys remember? No. So, uh, for those who don't know, (laughs) um, Priya was a band that, uh, we had in, uh, the right after we got out of high school, which was like 2011, 2012. Mm -hmm. Um, it was previously known as a, as a deathcore band called a, a deathcore outfit under the name I Bleed Blood. Yeah, we were called <laughs> I Bleed Blood, uh, all lowercase, all one word. And then uh, we got into the prog metal scene, and for some reason, <laughs> for some reason, they I was I they they allowed me to choose the name, and I thought giving it the name of an Indian woman was a good idea, and so that's what we did. Uh, I remember it, I was pretty, pretty, a uh, pretty heavy advocate of like trying to get the, the name changed back whenever. No, yeah, <laughs> or it was largely the three of us, but I was definitely like any opportunity to squeeze that into conversation. Was yeah, we got so do. tired of being called I Bleed Blood, man. Um, we were the laughing stock of a nation, <laughs> <laughs> and I I wasn't there in the beginning of the band either. I, I joined uh, some time after they had started. So whenever I joined and we were doing that, that's when I was like. Maybe we should consider, not that I was the first one to do it, but maybe we should put some more thought into considering yeah. a name change. I do think that you were the swing vote, though, <laughs> <laughs> because previously it was it was really only me and Dylan who thought it was stupid. And then uh, and then finally, you know, Joey came in and we gerrymandered the hell out of him and, <laughs> yeah. and, and got our way. Yeah, Thomas really didn't want to change the name. I think Wesley and Jacob Holmes are pretty indifferent. So yeah, fortunately we had Joey on our side and we're able to finally move into what would be the, the next chapter of the band. Um, so yeah, we, we did a couple of things as I bleed blood. Uh, so we, we, we all grew up in Carlsbad as I think we've all kind of talked about before, not to give a, like a whole his, a whole history lesson here, but just some context. Uh, and, um, you know, we had a pretty large core friend group, uh, when we were growing up, um, 
that that consisted of like eight or nine guys mm -hmm. and we all basically lived at a friend's house from about the seventh grade until a couple of years after we got out of high school um and you know people came and went and cycled through and uh but there was always kind of a core group of us and decided to form a band um i believe shortly after the guy whose house we always stayed at, his parents bought him the Avenged Sevenfold Sinister Gates signature Schecter guitar in, with the coffin case and the, and that Line 6 Spider amp. And then he and a couple of other guys decided that they wanted to play in a band and uh, Dylan was going to play bass in it since his dad played bass and they assumed <laughs> that he was going to be the best choice to do that. And then uh, somehow I, I, I was... I joined to play guitar, I think, and then I was kicked out in the middle of the night and then and then was reinvited back later on. And we recorded like an EP called Dark Skies Ahead, which didn't you name that, Dylan? Yeah, I named it. And then Thomas supplied the photography. Yeah, we took a, a photo <laughs> of of uh, like a, a storm coming down into Carlsbad with like an old flip phone camera and then put like pseudo deathcore font over it that said i bleed blood dark skies ahead and uh we recorded that with a local legend uh todd brashear did his studio have a name I, uh oh dude i can't remember what it was i, I think it did yeah. but he played in a band called cryoburn that was actually pretty popular in our area and i think they did some pretty cool stuff right they yeah they, they were, were a cool band they uh, played i think they played the region uh, albuquerque el paso yeah kind of uh, but in, industrial metal yeah they were some interesting guys todd was todd was interesting too i didn't really know him super well i knew his parents really well because uh we went to church with his parents and it was always so weird but um and then after that we decided we should record our own music which at that time we were not equipped to do and so we did a couple of different like short eps that were not great um I believe one of them was called <laughs> five minus two equals three P. <laughs> and then uh, we decided we wanted to play like prog metal and, and Joey was showing his acumen with playing and also his knowledge about gear and everything else. And so we had him come in as the third guitarist. So it was me playing bass, Dylan and Joey and this guy named Thomas playing guitar. And we had, um, Jacob Holmes, who was a, a a local transient um fellow who uh very kind hearted man, um really a, a cool dude and a great drummer. Um he he was with us and then Wesley Whitaker was vocals and we changed the name to Priya and then we went and traveled to Phoenix to record a record. Uh this was 11 years ago now. It's pretty incredible. Yeah, it was 11 years ago. We played a few shows before we went and recorded that, that record, and I don't remember the last one we played, but I know it was after it came out. It might have been at, um, it might have been at the, um, it might have been at the, uh, uh, there was a place in, in Carlsbad where we grew up that used to be this absolutely 10 out of 10 wonderful greek cafe called court cafe and then it was bastardized <laughs> into a some type of pseudo nightclub for teens called the <laughs> called the bat cave 
Eve. And we played we played a show there. I, that might have been the last one, or at the college. I remember the co- I remember both of them. I don't. I thought those came after the recording trip. Yeah, they yeah, did come after yeah, the recording yeah, trip. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I don't know why I keep thinking that one of the Clovis ones was one of the last ones, but that's probably not correct. I mean, we had to have hit Clovis like 10, 12 times. Oh, we hit it a bunch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So there was a, you know, Clovis in Mexico is uh, maybe not a very well known place for people outside of the state. It's a strange city. Um, used to be like a railroad hub. Um, but there was a man there named Mike Lego. Uh, and he owned a tattoo parlor that I can't remember. Guilty, Guilty by, by association. association was the name of it. Yeah. <laughs> and there was a band that was local there that everybody thought was the best. And there were these older guys and the name of the band was smells like something died. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> it was bad. <laughs> it was so bad. <laughs> and then he heard us and he hit us up on, there was that website that started with an R like rock nation or something like that. It was some weird website for bands. This was like back in, in like, no, I don't remember what it's early 2010s. Um, Something nation. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, it reverb nation. Maybe that was it or something. It's gone now. Yeah. Uh, finally, it's it's gone and so he he really loved us a lot for some reason and so we played there all the time which it wasn't a short trip for us and it was like two and a half hours but we really ended up like having like getting pretty good turnout at our shows there yeah and we made a lot of friends yeah we had another group as royalty or weights that was local up there that we really buddied up with quickly and and collaborated with them a lot on shows yeah and there's a couple other bands as well but they were doing if anybody who's listening knows of a band called volumes they were doing kind of like a volume style thing with two uh two vocalists and um yeah they were cool dudes yeah that was a lot of fun uh and then anyway back to the phoenix trip uh i won't talk this entire time i promise but uh there was a band that we had all kind of grown up listening to and kind of admiring called Knights of the Abyss. That was, uh, I don't know. How would you describe their music? Was it, it wasn't really deathcore music. Uh, I think probably the, the first record maybe was considered that, but then it got like metal tech. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I probably would have called it that. I never really listened to them that much. Well, we, everybody but Joey was a big fan and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, they're, I mean, they're cool. I just didn't listen to a lot of them. Uh, they, they went through a few different, different like member changes, but they had a bass player named Griffin Kalinsky, um, that lived in Phoenix. And we, he also had a recording studio there and we thought it would be really cool if we got to go record with him and kind of have that experience. And so that, that's what we did we had a i don't know what year that van was that we had that we drove up there in it, was, it had it, to have been in 90s or something i mean it it had curtains so yeah. it, it was probably like a 19 some i don't i don't know it was old i'm surprised it made it and we drove up there in the middle of the summer and stayed up there for like what two or three weeks it ended up being three weeks we spent like the first week hanging out with your aunt and uncle yeah 
And then we finally got over to Griffin's and did two weeks there. And we did uh, 12 songs. Yeah. Yeah. That was definitely like definitely the Super Bowl of our band. <laughs> 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 I was going up there and doing that. Yeah, I think it meant something pretty different to me, you and and Joey, than it meant to the other guys. For them, I think it was a big excuse to get hammered every night. And I remember we would get up like pretty early in the morning, like six or seven o'clock, and have a cup of coffee and eat, eat some Belvita. Eat a Belvita. Have a morning. Yeah, and I was I was doing summer school, so I'd sit sit there and do my schoolwork, and then then play <laughs> and then play Diablo. <laughs> Yeah. And, and uh uh another good friend of ours literally just tagged along for the fun of it his name is cody milligan who was just here shout out cody yeah we we really have a lot of love for cody and all the work he's doing for the vets in tennessee and um he's a top great, guy yeah he's america's top prowler um uh he tagged along and so we were just literally staying at griffin's house and he lived with his parents in his studio was in like a shed in the back but they just let us take over their house and so cody would sleep wherever he fell down for the night really and then he would get up in the morning and <laughs> take over their living <laughs> take over their living room tv <laughs> and play playstation for like six or seven hours a day. <laughs> for six or seven hours a day and then whenever everybody finally woke up in the afternoon, we would play Smash Brothers <laughs> until it was time to start recording at like yeah, we, 7 p.m. <laughs> yeah, we didn't actually start work until like 1 or 2 in the afternoon. Yeah, it's actually shocking we got anything done. Um, man, what a funny experience that I, was. I remember posting that meme, making the memes and posting it. It was like, gram, like a help I've fallen and can't get up type commercial yeah, a screenshot of an old woman on the ground. It's like, help! I'm stuck in Arizona and I can't leave. <laughs> because like I was, and I would think that Jared was too, feeling like kind of miserable in the in the early days, in the first few days, thinking like, yeah, this is our grandest mistake. <laughs> <laughs> this is not gonna work out. Yeah, because it got we had a, a start date with Griffin and things were getting pushed back and we weren't sure what was gonna happen. And we were definitely much more stressed out than everyone else was. Yeah, well, we also weren't drinking or, or or getting stoned, so that was probably part of it. But also, we didn't have any money. So, like, you know, we kind of... I remember, We didn't have, like, a dedicated means of transportation either. Like, we had the van, but, like, we weren't, like... We couldn't really go take off on our own. Unhitch everything and then go. Yeah, yeah we didn't really do that. Yeah, yeah, we had to haul a trailer up there. And there was some, like, reservations about some of the like beginnings of the setup. Like I remember we were trying to like track and just get tones for it. And everyone like, I think Griffin was doing something and right away, I think it was like dealing with someone was like, you got to butt in because like, <laughs> this is, this is not at all like something that we're like trying to go for or like enjoy the sound of. So you, you got to like put your foot. And so then I had to like talk to him about like what we're doing. It's like, well, maybe we want to try like, yeah. something we're already using instead there was like a, a bunch of things that led to like some nerves there in the beginning yeah do you remember what he was using in the beginning he had pod farm that he was oh, using okay. for most of the stuff and then i think i remember it was like kind of a funny thing because we had took the two that one of the x-fix twos uh with us and we had a patch 
that we all liked the sound of that we were trying to use. And I don't think he was like super, either either wasn't super into it or it was like just kind of out of his comfort zone with what he normally does. Yeah. And so like he was like, he always he would he would keep saying things like, yeah, we'll keep it as an option. You yeah, know, you know, or like, yeah, yeah. or like, well, we'll see which one you like the sound of best at the end, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that was kind of a funny thing. And even even after that, it, it, I think whenever we were doing like, um, giving feedback afterwards, like on the mixes and stuff, that was like kind of a a key point too. But uh, I remember like other like weird specific things there. Like I remember they had a ripstick. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember yes. had a ripstick there uh, that I was like messing around with and like Thomas was like trying to trying to tell me how to use it and I didn't know how to do it but we also watched uh, Prometheus Prometheus mm-hmm. in yeah. theaters while we were there for the first time and that yeah. was super cool I saw that movie and like they all 40 snuck, times and they all snuck alcohol yeah they all snuck in like other you know <laughs> Griffin had some sort of liquor on him I don't know what it was but, yeah or tequila yeah. or something I don't know yeah, they were all they were all drunk, and I still had a better time than they did because I was like <laughs> in love with that movie. And yeah, it was crazy. It was so good, and uh, that was that was a lot of fun. Also, his dad made that 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 roast beef sandwich that they <laughs> did. I talk about this like at least five times a year that they slow cooked in like pickle juice or something. Yeah, and that was bar none one of the best roast beef sandwiches I've ever had. And then we ate at that Pat's pizza and wings place yeah it was just up the road yeah and we had to order them a certain way it was like extra sloppy or something (laughs) and that was really good stuff too i've never seen those places there again i've been back to arizona countless times never seen any of those places or or like sought them out but it was really a unique experience and he lived in a cool part of the city too it was like felt it it felt kind of like kind of like home almost you yeah know, like, it was like a pretty tre- mellow neighborhood yeah yeah trees and everything and they all had grass and stuff which is cool but it was it was still the middle of the summer there and it was hot yeah but the weight of what we were doing like we were like teenagers hanging out recording with one of our heroes just hanging out yeah and doing a little bit of work on the side <laughs> it's like definitely pretty incredible to look back on and being like that was that was really cool. One of my f- favorite I remember I can't remember the name of the song because I like really try to avoid listening to that record except <laughs> for a couple of of songs that were Dylan's and 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 Joey's kind of brain children. But there was one song that I remember that Joey wrote like a lead over that that he did it like on the spot there and I was like, "Man, that's that's awesome. That sounds really good." Oh, was it Sector? Did you write that part on the uh, spot? Maybe it was Sector. Um, yeah. There was one. So there was one. I don't remember which one it was. There was a lead that I had that was like, I'd, it was, I honestly it was like probably part of the pitch at the time that I was going to join the band that I had. Because you guys had sent me like a bunch of guitar profiles or, or guitar pro files uh, with the tabs of everything. And I just like sent back something that I was had written on it and i think that's what like began as the lead for it and then i just like made up the rest for it. i don't know if it was sector or not i'll have to i yeah. think he did something it was on, a six string song on, I know that for oh sure. so so it wasn't sector it must have been uh part four yeah i think it's probably part four yeah that was that was really really cool and you brought your red ibanez up there right yeah i brought both and or my 
at the time the 7421 that Dingler has now that I got from him originally and then my my red prestige. Oh, I love that guitar. Vampire Kiss. Is that the name of the finish on that? Uh that... Cherry Fudge. Cherry Fudge. That's yeah, right. That one. But I think the tracking guitars that we used were Thomas's seven, the JPXI, JPL eleven. Eleven. Yeah. And that like black sparkle. And then it was Joey's six string, the thirty one twenty in the the red one. Yeah, I had the Spectre then, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember always hearing the myth of the glassy bass tone out of the Sansamp. Yeah, uh, Griffin definitely had a very uh, like early two thousands production approach. Like he really liked using uh, Pod Farm and Sansamp and stuff like that, and he just kind of had his formula that worked for him. And we were really trying to put our spin on stuff, but I mean we were just very young and just had very little experience like working with a producer and learning how to really communicate our wants and needs effectively. And like those you can have very good relate working relationship with producers, but it just takes a lot of time and maturity to learn how to have those conversations and, and take the time to, to work something out that works for everybody. And we were just like, you know, we were so new with all of that, that it was really a struggle trying to communicate what we were wanting with what someone was already doing. Yeah. And also, I don't know. I looking back on that, uh, I, I wanted to make it a concept album and we did do that. I wish that we had not done that. I felt, I feel now like I kind of like push my ideas on people. And I think that it would have been, especially on Wesley who did the vocals. And I think it would have turned out better if, if we had not done that. Um, like him doing things that were in his comfort zone always sounded a, a lot better. Um, you know, I mean, he wasn't like a, a master poet or anything, but, uh, I think, you know, when he was doing things in, in his range, he could do it pretty well. Mm-hmm. And so that, that would be one thing that I would probably change. But the rest of us, we really wanted that. We wanted to be very sophisticated and we wanted to have a different angle on things. And that was part of us trying to like change the band from what it used to be, where whereas all of our previous material, we really let Wesley do whatever he wanted to do, you know? And so it just was, it was definitely an effort to try something different, but it was, I mean, it's definitely kudos for trying something very different. Yeah, out he, of our comfort zone. He did have a lot of really good lyrics, though, from the from the earlier songs. Uh, some of them are not safe for other years of civilized people, but um, I have my sword, and that's all I need. It was <laughs> was a good one. <laughs> uh, I don't kiss fat chicks. That was a winner. Uh, I don't know. There was a lot. Go fuck yourself. Fuck the royal wedding. Yeah, that's right. A lot of winners. Definitely pretty provocative. <laughs> for him, yeah, it was very provocative, provocative for him. Group of group of young men. Uh but uh I do definitely want to tell the drive home story because that, that is something that is I think is super funny. Um unless we wanted to talk about the session anymore. No, I mean I think we just that's pretty much everything. Sometimes we'd sleep in the control room. I actually, I think three or four of us 
Most were and then there's people that would sleep on the couch and we all no 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 the three of us i thought always got to be in the living room because we we weren't partying and everybody else slept in yeah there. everyone else in the there was room. i think there was a night or two that we were in the floor with everyone <laughs> yeah the first night i know we for sure were because thomas kept me up throwing up all night that right. that was whenever he, he had the 40s taped to his. No, that was Wesley that had the 40s taped to his. I think it was all of them. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, I couldn't tell you. You know that was, that was talking. That that was shocking scenes. No, no <laughs> doubt about it. Shocking scenes. I mean, that's just. I mean, even the people that we were then, that is so outside of our character set to even like kind of be around something like that. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I don't know. It's really wild, actually, thinking about it. Um, but. Uh, I know we've got some good photos out of it. Maybe we'll post them with the, with the episode. Mm-hmm. That, uh, had one of us all lined up out there in the backyard. Yeah, yeah, that was good. Uh, do you do you want to tell the drive home story, either of you, or should I tell it? Well, maybe you have some angles on it. That... Yeah, I remember mainly the highlights, but I don't remember like who was driving or where exactly that area way to pull off was but well we did it well we the first thing was we left uh, phoenix at 6 p.m and it's uh how well and part of the reason was because the ac wasn't working in the van so we're like well we should leave in the evening so that it was cooler and how long of a drive was it to carlsbad well i mean if you're driving in a vehicle that is capable capable of making the drive it's like nine hours um maybe eight and a half but the van wasn't so we left on a Friday in the middle of rush hour. Um, I remember that very I do remember that, yeah. Because, and I drove first because I had the most experience driving in Phoenix, which was one other time before that or something. <laughs> like, um, you know, I, I wasn't super, super old. Uh, and I drove us out of Phoenix uh, into Casa Grande, which is like, you know, on the outskirts of Phoenix. And we, we had, we had already had to stop and get gas again by that point. And it, it was, you know, less than 200 miles. And I remember calling my mother outside of the gas station saying, we are in Casa Grande, we're getting gas. And she basically said something to the effect of, you're never going to make it. (laughs) (laughs) I remember we were perplexed as to why we were like, Running out of gas, gas so quickly. So fucking fast. Yeah. yeah, it was bad. I mean, it, it, that thing was just bleeding fuel. <laughs> and so we're going down the interstate back to. So, for those of you who aren't totally aware, the way that you go to Carlsbad to Phoenix is you leave Phoenix, you go through Tucson, and you're heading southeast, uh, and you cut through uh, Wilcox, which is right on the border between the two states, and then Lordsburg. And then you hit Dimming, New Mexico, and then you hit uh, Las Cruces, and then you actually go south from there into El Paso, Texas, and then you go over the Franklin Mountains, and then you go north up to Carlsbad. So it, it's kind of a weird road, um, but uh, whoever designed that, they thought that that made sense. <laughs> I don't. I can't exactly speak to why, but. I drove the first quite a ways. I drove mm-hmm. a long time in the beginning because I was worried that nobody else would stay awake. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, 
it wasn't until we were we were able to stop and get gas at every city in like in Tucson and then several places outside of that. But then whenever we were coming into dimming, we were we were gonna run out of gas. Like it was on empty. And we thought there's a place like a tourist trap um, that if you pass by it during the daytime, like it is completely unassuming. Mm. It looks like a very normal building and it's called the Continental Divide. Mm. Uh, and the exit that you take is Sapar. So we, we, it looked like there was a gas station there and there is one, it's just only open during the daytime. And we get off on the gas station or we get off on the exit and we pull up to what we think is the fuel pump and there's no lights on. So I don't know why I thought we were going to get gas there. And we realized that we're not going to. And then, you know, one of them is like, there's one normal gas pump and then there's like another burned out old uh, mechanic shop that has like a gas mm -hmm. canopy under it over there. And so we're like freaking out thinking like, okay, we're not going to make it anywhere. We're, we're going to be stranded on the side of the road, like at 2 AM. Mm. And so I, I start trying to get back onto the interstate and I wasn't paying attention. I didn't see the on-ramp. And so I just kept going until we drove into a dirt road and I realized we're just driving like off-road. <laughs> <laughs> we're just off-roading now basically. <laughs> And then, so I start to back up trying to turn the trailer and the van around and I jackknife the trailer and bust out the taillight of the van. And then I think that's when Dylan says, <laughs> guys, I don't want to alarm you, <laughs> but there was a car underneath one of those uh, gas canopies. And I think, I think, <laughs> I think there was somebody in it watching us. <laughs> <laughs> and so at that point we're like frantically trying to back this trailer up and i'm trying to get us out of there and i find the on-ramp back onto the interstate and i'm trying to not speed because we're like i can hear it on fumes and we're 20 miles outside of dimming and there just so happens to be a gas station there and i got to the exit and we had to push it yeah, we ran out. Of, we ran out right as we got into the exit, and so we had to push it down the ramp and then into under the gas station, and we fueled back up, which allowed us to get to dimming to then put more gas in the car, <laughs> and then uh, we stopped. I remember we stopped in Las Cruces. This is four a.m. Yeah, this is four a.m. We stopped in Las Cruces at for those of you who are native to here and measure everything in town by the Walmarts. Um, we stopped at the Walmart on Valley yeah, and right. got a gas can because I thought this is going to save us because there's no way we're going to make it from El Paso to, to, to Carlsbad on one tank of gas. Mm. And because not only that, whenever you're going through El Paso, you have to drive up over this mountain pass and it's like <laughs> super steep. And so we had to get gas I think on one side of the mountain pass, and yeah, then it, we had to get we got gas before we went over the pass, and then we had to get it again, and then we made it to White City, and, and then we stopped at the gas station. Well, wait, you yeah. bought you bought a gas tank, and we had to use that gas tank. Yes, so we spent what three hundred dollars on gas. <laughs> I don't. I have no idea. I mean, it was so crazy, and I remember we were in White City, which is like a small town like 20 miles outside of Carlsbad that leads you up to the caverns there and it was dawn so it um we have been driving the entire night 
And I remember yeah, thinking, over like, 12 hours. we're going to make it. We're going to finally. If we got to White City, then yeah. we're on the home stretch. At least somebody's parents can come and get us. And we pulled in till, to Carlsbad around 7 or 8 a.m., maybe. Uh, and I remember going home and just, like, I fell flat on my face and didn't wake up until, like, that night. And then we went back over to Thomas's house <laughs> to unload our gear and stuff. As if we hadn't had enough. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I remember Thomas's dad was really concerned, and Thomas wasn't answering his phone. And so he called my dad, and then my dad called me, and he was like, Mike's really concerned. What's going on, guys? <laughs> it's time for y'all to get home. <laughs> it was amazing that we stayed up all night. And I remember stopping at Walmart here on Valley. I remember that so vividly. Yeah, yeah. me too. And it's amazing. Yeah. For whatever I, reason. It took me a long time after we had been living here for a while for me to realize that that's the Walmart it was. And what made, what, what made it click in my head was if you're driving to campus from this area... But I realized this like years ago. But mm -hmm. if you're driving down the interstate to camp uh, onto NMSU campus, you pass right by it, and that's what we saw going there. And I remember seeing the Walmart, and like I was like, "Oh, they're they're open 24 hours, so let's go in there and get a gas tank." And I can't even imagine how we must have looked get going in there. Like we were probably filthy. We probably didn't smell great. We had been sweating in that van for nine hours by then. Um. Yeah, crazy, crazy trip. Yeah. yeah, I forgot. I didn't thought about that. Uh, the ride back in a while. I forgot that it was like basically overnight. Because I remember by the time we got to Thomas's house, it was it was like daylight basically. Yeah. Still morning, but yeah. Yeah, I have not pulled that many all nighters. That was definitely <clears throat> one of them. Yeah, and a big reason for bringing the trailer in the first place is because we were gonna do live drums. Yep. And we tried it for about 30 minutes and we decided we're going to stick with slate drums. Yeah. And use the guitar pro tabs. Yep. So we basically just ended up going up there to track some DIs and some vocals. Yep. Pretty incredible. Um, and I guess also now it would, not to completely throw a damper on this, but uh, unfortunately... Griffin passed away in 2016. Some, yeah, that sounds sounds about right. He was yeah. only like 27, 28. Yeah. Just he, incredible because he seemed like an old man compared to us at the time. Yeah, he had a heart condition that he had had since he was a child. And and uh, what was super cool about that, you know, he, even though we had our, our gripes about it in the beginning, he became like a really good friend of ours after that. And he and a bunch of his bandmates, they were in a band called Apparitions after that. Yeah. Um, they came down to visit us and stayed with Thomas and his parents a, a lot. And uh, we like really had like a friendship after mm -hmm. that, which was super cool. Yeah. Um, and he was a really, really a cool dude. And, really sweet. Yeah, kind hearted. Um, super funny. He... He did some funny stuff, man. Um, yeah, he was crazy. And uh, remember they had that big show for him as a benefit to his parents. And uh, after he had passed away and Knights of the Abyss like played that show. Yeah. And so did Apparitions. Whitechapel did too. Yeah, so did Whitechapel. Yeah. Whitechapel came down and played. That's pretty incredible. Yeah. 
So, you know, I mean, here, here to a, a great guy for yeah. sure. Yeah. It was really cool that we got to have those memories with him. He's a really sweet guy. I did contact his parents after that <clears throat> and got that roast beef recipe. <laughs> that, was, that was so freaking good. <laughs> his dad was the nicest guy ever. Yeah, he was super cool. It's incredible his parents had the tolerance for, for a bunch of sweaty kids at, and filling up their house for weeks on end. Yeah, and some kid that had nothing to do with any of it, just taking their <laughs> TV. There. Yeah, I'm playing Dragon's Dogma. <laughs> <laughs> I remember I had to try to, like, I started the download of Final Fantasy on Cody's, or Final Fantasy Seven on Cody's PlayStation whenever we were there, and I got to, like, play it, like, maybe once or twice. Because it was always playing Dogma. <laughs> uh, uh, playing Smash Bros. was so fun, though. Yeah. We would do that for, like, hours. Yeah. And I think, didn't a couple of the Nights Abyss other guys come over at the time? Yeah, they did. Yeah, yeah. The guy that had the short, dark hair that always wore the Marlboro hat. What was his name? Brian McNulty. That's right. He was there. Yeah. I remember the drummer. Yeah. Harkle Road. Yeah. Yeah. Who went on to join Whitechapel for a time. Yep. He yeah. was, yeah, they were all cool dudes. They were kind of intimidating at first, uh, like to me, because they were older and kind of like haggard. But uh, actually, it reminds me a lot of the Through Gore Comes Glory crew. Man. You know, very, very similar for sure. Um, I remember May Total Destroyed came out that summer. Dude, that a was, single came out. That we was were, so sick, and, and we were like showing Griffin, like this is <laughs> like now we want it like to sound like this. And Hollow Movement, yeah, they and, came out like the Hollow same Movement, yeah. week. Yeah, yeah, it was great. And too. just seeing all of like the the per, the periphery to like making of things, being like, why isn't this going like this? Yeah, <laughs> we're trying to have this experience. No. Yeah, and people are taping forties to their hands. <laughs> <laughs> I remember him saying like, yeah, the music is pretty cool, but that guy's singing is like, yeah, know, yeah. Pretty, pretty not right or something. It was like, <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, that was so much fun. Yeah. Then in hindsight, that was like one of the wildest and really memorable experiences of childhood for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely good to be really taken out of my comfort zone with all that, but Yeah. I'm really glad that we got to do that. Me too. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, uh, I don't necessarily really want to talk about the smaller groups that I played in before I bleed blood or anything like that. I don't think that's super relevant anymore. Mm -hmm. Like it was just kind of like a phase. But you were in another band at, during the formation of I bleed blood. So that was kind of explained like maybe why you weren't, in the first iteration of the band. But. Yeah, maybe so, yeah. As Idols Fall was yeah. the name of that band. I remember you got to play your first show before before I did, and I was pretty taken aback the by PR? that. PR? Was that the show? No, they played in Artesia at the Performing Arts Center. Did you play the PR show that everyone played whenever Flood the City played and Through Gore played? And no, I didn't play that show, no. Okay. No. Um yeah, you know, that was all fine and good that I was in that band, but I sucked. I, I mean, I I couldn't play at all. Like, it was not clean. It was not concise. It was actually, like, I'm glad I can't go back and look at anything I did because I would just be so ashamed of myself. Um, 
but it was it was fun for sure uh except for uh our vocalist telling everybody at every show that we'd just been signed by candlelight records and <laughs> that had never happened. <laughs> Definitely a master class in stacking game pedals. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the purple Digitech. The grunge pedal? Yeah. Yeah, that was my first pedal. Oh, okay. I thought the other guy had that too. He did, and I bought it off of him. I need another one. <laughs> And before I Bleed Blood and Priya, uh, like actual band that played that I last played with was Flood the City. And it's with some buddies we've mentioned before, my friends or our friends, uh, Esteban and Rolando and Joel Rivera and a couple other, Jonathan Silva, a couple people then. And one story I remember, and I don't, I don't remember all the details super well, but one that like I always, I always think of and, Esteban has told this before on some like Instagram live streams and stuff, but we had a van that was called the Mary Myler. That's what it was like had on the side of it. Mm -hmm. And it was like, it was older than the van that we were touring in back in Priya. Uh, And we drove that. We played like a, I want to say like a four or five day, maybe even just three day. Like it's probably a four or five day, like little mini tour. Mm -hmm. It was called the Texas. Cause we did it all throughout like uh, West Texas. It was uh, the Texas over X's. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, so we did that tour, and we played in like Midland and I don't can't remember all the Andrews, Texas, and a couple other places. And one of the first nights, I'm pretty sure I want to say it was in Midland or or somewhere near there. We stayed with a friend of the band's. Uh, I I I don't want to get the name wrong. It was this. Um, this girl that uh, one of them knew a bit better than I did, but we we somehow got. Again, all these families that are super <laughs> welcoming somehow got uh, her to convince her mom and dad to let us stay there. And so we parked the van out in the front of the house and stayed there. And I remember the first night we were there. I don't remember who it was. I, I want to say it was Esteban, but I could be wrong. Someone went to use the restroom and clogged the toilet like <laughs> immediately. <laughs> and, and so <laughs> they were trying to take care of it. And there was literally water. <laughs> Flowing out, <laughs> flowing out from the toilet, and they were like trying to sop it up and clean it up, and, it... <laughs> and then someone made the joke like about taking taking the name Flood the City too too literally. <laughs> oh my god, that poor family! And we also, I'm pretty sure, like we like piled a bunch of us under her bed just hanging out once, and like broke the bed frame. <laughs> Um, I'm pretty sure. I don't like. There was so much stuff that happened. I remember the, one of the first shows we played, which might have been in Andrews or Midland. We, we played outside this cafe, uh, and there's like not even a courtyard, but this like small little like an fenced in area out front. And we played a we played a show outside there, and uh, after the after the show was done, some like older guy who was probably you know like. Mike's age or something like that at that time came up to me and he was like, you guys sounded really good. You know, you remind me of a young Kirk Hammett. (laughs) (laughs) And and at that time I was like almost offended by it. I was like, okay, thank you. (laughs) We played nothing like. Yeah, I know it was nothing like that at all. all, But uh, that's just a really funny one. And then eventually 
we had to we had to leave the van there. Like we had to call a a ride. I want to say it was from like assistance from like some church that uh, one of uh, like Esteban or one of them knew that came and they picked up us in like uh, you know like what they uh, pick you up in at like the airport, like those small little yeah. vehicles that you can fit shuttle. something shuttle like like a shuttle. Uh, in and they picked up all our stuff and we went in there. We like literally left the van on the side of the road forever. Was, well, I think actually we might have even it might maybe not the side of the road. It might have been like in a parking lot, but like it was there for a while, like almost probably a year. Oh my gosh! And wow. I'll have to like get back to the the podcast because I think he talks about it in the podcast. So I don't remember fully what happened to it after that, but we like literally just ditched it. And I, we'd gotten it. It was like his grandfather's that like, yeah, like basically gave the band at the time. But uh, we had to get reinforcements out there to get us out or get us back. That uh, is so funny. It was a whole deal. Yeah. But like the shows were super sick. Yeah. We put this place called the Red Scare. And uh, that's a good name. That was a super fun show. Um, and all the shows prior to that were really fun too but like there was some like we played it we stayed at some like some guys like really sketchy house once or even went over like just for the evening i can't remember there was like people doing drugs and drinking and yeah we were like i was like a year older than the rest of them so maybe i was a senior in high school or probably a junior i can't remember but yeah i was like pretty like appalled yeah i was like holy <laughs> shit this is like <laughs> I felt, I felt like I was like it felt like watching uh like being in the room whenever you're watching Breaking Bad. I was like that's how it felt. It was like holy shit, there's like crazy stuff going on right now. Uh, even though it probably wasn't that bad, it was probably just people smoking weed, but uh, it was crazy. Yeah, so that was I. That's a really funny one that I remember. There's like plenty more with that band and like other like names that we had then because they always like um, we had a bunch of different names. Uh, whenever we would like break up the band and then eventually get everyone back together and do something different. Yeah. 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 Um, mm-hmm. but that's one that I always remember is the clog in the toilet first night that we were there <laughs> and all the stuff from that tour was really funny. But, um, and then I guess later it was like a, a like a number of years later, I was already out of high school is when I was living in Lubbock, Texas with Jameson Lucas. Uh-huh. And that's whenever, uh, he introduced me to you guys and we had the built the relationship and like, we're like, that's when I was getting like the guitar profiles and mm-hmm. we realized that the three of us, at the very least like had a lot of common ground and what like we were liked. So yeah. Um, that's whenever I was like sending ideas back and then eventually got invited to be a permanent member. So was that, that <laughs> was all you moved to, you moved back to Carlsbad and that's when we yeah. were really hanging out a lot more. Yeah, it was like second semester for me of my second, or no, it was my second year of college. So it was like 2012. And that's when I really remember like a lot of that. We might have like, I think we were hanging out and having like, um, or hangouts and stuff whenever we would go back to Carlsbad prior to that too. But um, definitely it was like right around the new year, maybe the winter that I remember because I was playing a lot of Skyrim. Yeah, um, that I remember joining the band sometime around that time ish, like officially, and then, um, then I moved to yeah, moved back to Carlsbad that following, um, or that summer after that, I went back to Carlsbad and 
stayed there until we moved up here. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. I feel, yeah, we had definitely <clears throat> been friends for longer than that period of time, but, uh, that sounds right as far as when you joined. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. man, I can't believe you just went over to that house and ruined the entire. I know for sure it wasn't me. Uh, that's all I know. <laughs> but yeah, it was crazy. They were, and it was like, it was a nice house. Those people, those people were well off for sure. Well, you bust that up. So we, first night, big impressions. <laughs> it was, it was pretty bad. Huh. Um, I mean, so after that, you know, like thinking back on the last few years, like uh, Dylan and, you know, who has a lot of great stories about playing in bands and being on the road and doing some crazy stuff is uh Jameson, but he's not here and i don't want to tell his stories on his behalf so at some point uh he'll hopefully come here and and we'll do a part two of this and and you guys will hear the craziest tales of your life but uh you know he and dylan and i had played in a band for quite a while called earth brothers and um which we can wait to talk about that when he comes on. But one of the best experiences that I actually didn't get to participate in, but meant a lot to me, uh, was, uh, near the end of that band's life when, uh, I had, that had to have been 2017, right? Because I had just started to work at the store Mm -hmm. and, uh, we recorded, well, I didn't record you, you got you, Dylan, Joey, Jameson went up to his dad's cabin was it in Cloudcroft or Rio Doso? Weed, New Mexico. It was in Weed, it was New, in Mexico. Weed New Mexico, which is closer to Cloudcroft. Yeah. Um, and recorded or tried to record a song up there that ended up being a song called Volt, which uses all of our last name. First initial? Yeah, the first initial of our last names, hmm. which I think is a super cool. So what you guys did is you took a photo of yourselves outside of the uh, outside of the uh, as we were leaving. at the base of the mountain. Basically, at, it wasn't at, actually a mountain, but yeah. And then you photoshopped a, a ghost photo of me dressed like Obi Wan Kenobi, <laughs> uh, General Kenobi, yeah. Yeah. and uh, put me back there looking like a complete dimwit, there <laughs> um, in spirit. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I would be interested to hear. I mean, I I've. I've heard those stories, but it's been a little bit. What was that experience like for you guys? Yeah, it was a lot. It yeah, was, it was a lot. It was. I don't. I don't know that I would do it again. <laughs> I, would, I would do it again. It was funny. I, I got sick during it. Oh, but it's, that sucked. But I remember the night I was going up, I was like texting them back and forth, like trying to figure out like where it was going to be. And by the time I finally got to Cloudcraft, it was like okay, like like this is probably the one of the, like the few opportunities where I'm going to have like a really stable connection to be able to reach them. Yeah. And he was like trying to describe like they were trying to describe to me like how to exactly to get there cuz it's like you kind of got to go a ways as if you were like leaving the opposite end. Yeah. Um and not like going through Cloudcroft as if you were going to like Roswell or something like that. You kind of take a different route uh, around the back side. Mm-hmm. Um maybe even the south side of it is what it is, but and then there's like a there's like a turnoff where you go. Yeah. And I was driving like, and I remember I texted you that night because I was like, dude, I don't know. Yes, I remember that. I, remember yeah, I either that. texted you or called you. I was like, dude, I don't have any idea where they're at. Like, I, I'm just, because I was driving around a yep. lot. And I yeah. kept, like, finally like coming back to Cloudcroft again. I was like, dude, I don't know where they're at. Um, and then I think I got more information or whatever. And I went down to the thing and I saw that 
you guys were like had already went down the turnoff, but you were like kind of waiting there in the yeah. uh, on the side of the road mm. with your stuff, and it was like very much like we made it, like <laughs> we we found each other. It was, uh, and then we we had to drive a ways up the hill, and there was you know some twists and turns and everything. Um, and then where the cabin's actually at, um, there's like not even gravel, like rock, <laughs> rocky road, uh, like that I can remember, like large stones that you'd have to get up to, and like no no vehicle we had, and we only had the two, but could get up it, but my truck. So then, <laughs> <laughs> so and I don't even remember if we did it all that night. Did, did we take it all up that night? I don't think so. We might have done like some of the stuff that I already had on me, but like mm. uh, it led to us uh, basically loading up things in the back of the truck and someone sitting in the back and holding just like yeah hanging on to the stuff to make sure nothing fell out while we were hauling making trips up that gravel road not even gravel road but that rocky road up there yeah you just like drive up the side of a mountain and there's several cabins and his family's cabin so happened to be the last one yeah it was the last one at the end of the, <laughs> the farthest the, way it goes from like rocky road into like a dirt road and you get up there and then you and then it's just chaos at the very end so just, <laughs> there was like fallen trees on the road oh yeah i think i remember yeah. yeah uh but that was the first night and then we were just like we're all driving up there the first time don't know where we're going i'm terrified i'm, I have trying, no, to figure, I'm trying to find them I yeah no yeah you were out. lost i'm yeah. trying to figure out how to get out of this <laughs> <laughs> how do we turn around <laughs> uh yeah and then we set up shop and they have like uh it's it's two rooms and the living area and then there's like the small kitchen area and there's the like Un- under space i guess i don't know it's not like a basement or anything it's like yeah there's like a two a storage area underneath a two bedroom one bath type cabin with and you yeah. gotta go up a big flight of stairs to get up to it but then there's just kind of this storage area underneath hmm. that you kind of got to walk down to and i remember we had to go down there to turn on the electricity yeah turn on the water turn on a couple things yeah get yeah. that going and then um like a tv and a dvd player to bunch of stuff and we basically by the next day, we'd set up all the gear we're going to use for recording in one bedroom. Uh, and cause I think either you and I are two, some amount of two of us, some combination of the two of us slept in the living room and then another one slept in the bedroom. Um, but we set up the MyZilla 2x12, the 5150. I think we only used it as a power amp, maybe. We might have used the Axe Effects into the 5150, I want to say. I feel like we... I feel like we did... tried pedals, maybe. I couldn't remember. I thought that we actually used the 5150 as the tone. And I remember I brought my PRS custom thing. Yeah, we had the PRS there, try, too. But it was just... But basically just... We might have used we might have used actual pedals for most of it. It's possible. Yeah, um, I feel like it was like the focus into the 5150 for real. Yeah. Oh yeah, because you had the focus then. Yeah, that was, that's such a cool pedal. Yeah, he still has it. Yeah, yeah, we yeah, mic'd yeah. it up in there, <clears throat> and then split it up over the few days we were there, and we had like all the leads coming out from that into the living room where Dylan had like his setup. He brought like his monitors and everything, and then we track in there, and then close the door to the room and have the amps li- or have the amps loud in there and everything. <clears throat> we didn't use the PRS for cleans. 
And we tried. Oh. And then we realized that the Axe Effect claims worked. Oh, yeah. It's probably, yeah. Because we already had a demo of the song. Yeah. And we're like, how can we make this better? And we're trying other stuff. And we're just like, well, I think that some of the stuff that's already there is what works best. Yeah. Yeah. But that was the only thing that we did that really featured any kind of like live, like live amps and stuff. So that was really cool. Yeah. That, that, that is one of my favorite songs, I think, that we. It's that not I didn't have much to do with. But it's that, not particularly like groundbreaking, but it felt like it was the essence of our band really well. Yeah, and you know that brings back another memory, uh, which we don't have to end the cabin horrors yet. But um, <laughs> uh, you know what was another really special thing that the four of us did together was whenever we first did, uh, we very first did um, impact support before mm, it became. Yeah the earth other song b we called it impact support which was named after an almost deck right mm-hmm. almost skateboards yeah. yeah um we were at your apartments on Payne street mm-hmm. yep and i i remember i remember pretty pretty vividly thinking like nothing's ever going to be better than this like this is this is this sounds so cool this is so much fun like there's so much potential here like it just felt so cool to do all that and i remember we had that little teaser video for it and uh the working title dump cakes no we called it impact support on the teaser video right no it said dump cakes oh (laughs) we had watched that one parody or not parody but like the it's like a voiceover dubs yeah yeah yeah, man that haunts me pretty dark um but yeah that was another really cool the four of us deal that was really cool um i think jamie wrote a lot of those riffs and then we kind of added layers and and bass and stuff to it and uh whenever we would play it as earth brothers he would always uh dedicate it to his dad reese which was cool because he he, uh, you know we were an instrumental group so we didn't really do a lot of talking um and so that was always cool uh so how did the cabin terrors end (laughs) well i mean we were there for three or four days it was like a holiday weekend which is why jared couldn't get off yeah well yeah and i'd also like like literally just started that job yeah and it was like each day we would get up, have breakfast, get ready, dr- drive into Cloud. Breakfast Croft. at this time was still Belvitas and coffee for the most part. At, at 11 a.m., 11, <clears throat> 11 a.m. to noon, we drive into Cloudcroft, which ended up being 30, 45 minute drive. Wow. Yeah. And with all the twists stock and Stock up on stuff that we needed. We had, we had to fill up the jugs of water. We ate at the restaurant there too. Yeah. Once, at the at in that little strip mall. Yeah. I get terribly car sick every day. I was just <laughs> I've never suffering. <laughs> I was just suffering. Uh, this could not be worse. <laughs> yeah, and then we'd basically like spend the day trying to track or come up with ideas or um It took us a while to really nail down what we were gonna do. Yeah, it was like Day one was still very much set up and everything. The next day was like getting our footing into all of that. 
I think made the most progress by the final day that we were there. Like before, like might have. I don't know if it was the day that we we're actually breaking stuff down after, but eventually got it like a day or two in. Yeah. Um. But I, I mean, outside of getting sick, I had a lot of fun. Like it was. I remember it was cold because like winter. No, it was winter. Yeah. Or yeah, winter. Mm. Um. And. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what I got sick from, but I was just, was just sick. But yeah. like, it wasn't like right away. And I feel like this happens. This happened on the last trip too, because I remember whenever we went to to cycle back to the Arizona trip. I also like, I don't remember what we did. Maybe it's just because I showered there or something. I don't remember, but I don't think we went swimming any of those days, did we? Uh, we I think we went swimming when we were staying with my aunt and uncle. Oh, that's what it was because like. For some amount of that trip in the Arizona trip, I had water in my ears that I couldn't get out. I and do I, remember and that. And I remember it was like a deal because like everyone, everyone was like, there was like pressure on me to like kind of like dictate or like spearhead making sure things sounded a certain way. And I remember it was a thing where it was like, great. Now the guy who was like, so like not solely responsible, but had like the largest hand in like coordinating some of this stuff can't even hear right <laughs> I, re- I remember we were talking about taking you to a clinic to have him pump your ear out or something oh yeah i think someone said yeah you might have said that i was like i was just like beside myself about it but that happened then and then i got sick again at the tail end of the the volt trip um it was already like we were pretty much done by then i think it was just like an overnight thing but uh yeah it was I- fun overall i think overall like yeah, I think I would, would know a bit better what to do and how to like how to set up things than the last time. But I, I had fun doing it. I don't think we ever played a gig where I didn't throw up. By the end of it. <laughs> <laughs> Every single time we played, I had a migraine and threw up by the end of it. Jamie. You guys played the you guys played the one show in Crucis, right? The one at the Obscura. Obscura. Or Obscura. Once yeah. or twice, I think. Yeah, once or twice. Maybe there was twice. Well, and mi- they were pretty good turnouts at those. Yeah. That was fun. Yeah. I feel like a Facebook memory came up of of uh, the first one, because Thomas was play- drumming with us on the first one, and I think the second one was just the tracks. Yeah, and then we played, uh, or, and then we recorded a couple of videos up here. Mm-hmm. One where we were once again hauling amps up the side of a mountain, <laughs> and another one when... We were hauling them into the middle of a valley. Mm. Uh, for Terminal, we were on Aguirre Spring. We were on uh, the Aguirre Spring, so the Alamogordo side of the mountain. Mm, that's right. Mm. We had just pulled over on the side of the road and took those amps up the hill. I and was then, thinking of the playthroughs, but the actual music videos that you guys did, yeah. Yeah, and then for Totem, Totem right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we did that one in, by Picacho uh, Peak over there in that, like, it's like, a ravine kind of area. Well, it was it was two different places. It was partially oh, over there, yeah. and the part of it was was just up here do, doing the the dripping springs area almost. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That uh, was fun. Yeah, and then we did some did a, a handful of like guitar slash bass playthroughs. One of them uh, we filmed Jameson playing in Joey's house. Yeah, in the kitchen. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But. Yeah, it was definitely a, a bummer that Jared wasn't there for the Volt recording sessions. But um, otherwise, I think I really like that song a lot. 
Joey makes that song. I think it's one of our best sounding songs because of that, partially because of that and, and him being the mastermind behind getting the guitar tones and stuff. And maybe we can find some way to link that too, in case people want to hear it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think for whatever reason, Jameson didn't want Volt on Spotify, but there's, it's on YouTube. Okay. But yeah, that was like kind of one of the last things that we'd done as a group aside from, uh, Christmas Eve, Sarah Hevo. <laughs> yeah, that was funny. <laughs> Pretty incredible. Don't we have that video of him like hitting that that mallet drum or something? And he's like, Oops. "Oh, that well, that was when you we were trying to do the police song or whatever." Oh, oh, okay. Which was before? Yeah, maybe. Maybe yeah. I forget what that song was called. Leaves to Ice. Oh yeah, that's like, right. But that was sixteen, I think. And yeah. The Volt was in seventeen. But he just looked like. He had woken up dumb and never recovered from it. He was trying to hit those mallets on that wooden box. God bless Jameson. Yeah. What's to say? Yeah, our other, our Priya, we never really got to, to go on a tour like you did. We just had like extended runs of local shows. Um, But lots of great memories and, and definitely like the Earth Brother bands like the collaborations that we did with Joey are definitely some of the more f- enjoyable memories. And, yeah. And looking at the stuff that we did with Joey and then looking at the stuff we did with Griffin and stuff. And it's just like, um, like collaborating, like when it's good, it's the best thing. Yeah. And that's when you really have the most fun is when you're really having a group of guys together and working on something together and, and the camaraderie and like kind of being there to support each other, working through working out parts and working on things and like having stuff is like really is what it's all about. Like being in a band, working on a project together. Yeah. Like some of my fondest memories of like just sharing those experiences together, even when they didn't go super well, like it was just us having that, having each other to go through it together. That I really yeah. Enjoyed. Some of the biggest laughs of our lives, probably for sure. You're locked up in a room with a computer and guitars. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> every, every teenage boy's dream. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I want to save some of these stories for whenever we finally get famous and Lucas up here, because I know that he will, uh, completely blow us away with his adventures in time and space um, and all the shocking scenes that he's gotten himself into. (laughs) But uh, we want to thank you guys for humoring us for the last hour or so talking about our lives and our memories and the fun times we've had together. And sometimes it's just cool to look back and see where you've been so you can appreciate how far you've come and where you're going and, and, uh, you know, I wouldn't trade any of those things for the world. Some of the best times of my life, no doubt about it. And uh, I love you guys very much. I love you too, man. Yep. Um, well, we'll be back to your regularly scheduled programming, uh, <laughs> hopefully in the next month or so. But uh, this is episode nine of the Desert Tones podcast. We've almost made it to the end of the year. Pretty incredible. Where you've had one full year of... Debauchery. Absolute (laughs) debauchery. Shocking (laughs) scenes at every turn. Uh, So I guess on that bombshell, we'll see you guys in a month.
Yeah. See thank ya. you. Thank you guys again so much for listening and we'll see you next time. Arrivederci. Take care. <laughs>